I want you to listen this morning to Matthew chapter 10 as Jesus makes his sales pitch, so to speak. As Jesus talks to his uh, disciples uh, about their mission, about going out and about representing him in the world. Uh, And I want you to hear what he has to say, because as he speaks to uh, those folks in his day, he's speaking to us this morning as well, because if we are disciples of Jesus, we are to follow uh, the pattern that he sets for us in Scripture. And so here's here's Jesus' big sales pitch, as is found in Matthew 10, verses 16 through 25. Hear the word of God. Excuse me. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts to flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray for just a moment. Father God, as we turn our minds now to worship you, we ask Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten our hearts and our minds. Father, there are many of us in this room who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, and yet perhaps we have not thought carefully enough or considered appropriately enough your true call on our lives. And so I thank you for the gospel of Matthew. I thank you for the insights that we see here, challenging though they be. And Father, this morning, this is a challenging one. This is not a simple topic. And yet it is essential that we understand this truth. If we are to be impactful and effective witnesses for Jesus Christ, if we are to stand our ground in this day and age, some 2,000 plus years after Jesus spoke these words, it will only be if we heed his instruction and his guidance. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would move me out of the way. You know that my words don't measure up. It is only your eternal word that is perfect. So I pray that you would come and that you would speak your truth into our lives in these next few moments. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, who needs, <laughs> who needs this anyway? It's enough trouble in my life as it is without uh, coming to this text and, and seeing that uh, the essence of who I claim to be, a disciple of Jesus, is fraught with all kinds of danger and all kinds of peril. I, I don't really need this in my life. That's kind of my reaction to this text is to say, you know, Lord, is there another way we can go about doing this? Uh, But obviously, uh, we do need to understand this, and we do need to apply it to our lives, or Jesus wouldn't have said it in the first place. And so the question this morning is is not so much who needs this, uh, but what do we learn? 
from Jesus' comments, from his statements about uh, those of us who claim to be his disciples. I'm going to give you five observations out of this text. Uh, again, as is our, is our uh, typical habit on Sunday mornings, uh, we don't necessarily just pick the text apart, uh, you know, line by line and, and dot by dot, but we look at the, the truths that are spoken and how they can be applied to our lives. And so I want to give you uh, five statements that I, that I think are true this morning out of this text and apply uh, to you and me. The first one is this, being a disciple means that I'm going to be and you're going to be, if we're disciples, a subordinate spokesperson to the Lord Jesus. Look uh, at verse 16. Jesus says, I am sending you. Uh, Jesus puts the pegging order in its proper uh, place. Jesus is the one who is the Lord of his church. Jesus is the one who's called the, the bridegroom of the body of Christ, his bride. Jesus is the one who is head over his kingdom. And he is the one who has the authority to speak his truth into your life and into my life if we claim to be his disciples. By definition, therefore, we say we, we are subordinating ourselves to his lordship. And so Jesus says very clearly, I'm the one who's doing the sending. Uh, and he says that you're going out to bear witness before, the, before them and before the Gentiles. We're bearing witness of him. If you're going to be a disciple, you need to be a subordinate spokesperson. You need to understand that the Lord Jesus has sent you and will send you into a variety of different settings and a variety of different places. And not all of those settings and not all of those circumstances will always be pleasant. There are a lot of times I will will talk to folks and they'll say things like, you know, I don't understand why God has placed me in this particular set of circumstances. I don't understand why why God has me in, in this family or where God may have me uh, in this marriage or in this particular business or this particular office. Uh, and typically the, the follow-up statement to that is because I'm the only Christian there. I'm the only person in, in my family. I'm the only person in my business. And it's pretty uncomfortable for me uh, to try and be a believer, to try and be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, I tend to be laughed at for my faith. I tend to, I tend to be scorned. And what I want is for, for Jesus to get me out of this set of circumstances and to put me someplace else where it feels better, where it feels more safe and where it feels more secure. Now, I, I understand the stress of being in that environment, but the facts simply are, I think we're asking the wrong question. I don't think the question should be asked, Lord, will you get me out of these circumstances? I think rather the question ought to be asked, Father, how can I speak for Christ in the place where he has sent me? If, if I am in a particular family, if I'm in a particular business, if I'm in a particular school setting, if I have a particular group of friends, particular group of business associates, it's because Jesus has placed me there. It might not be perfect. It probably isn't perfect. It's probably filled with some challenges, as we're going to see in just a moment. Being a disciple of Jesus means we face challenges head on, but the facts are he is the one who sends. And our prayer ought to be, Lord Jesus, how can I speak for you? in this particular place where you have sent me. Secondly, not only being a disciple in this text says that we ought to be a subordinate spokesperson, but being a disciple also means that we're going to be entering hostile territory. Now, I want to take you through this text and just show you a few of the things that Jesus says about this. He says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. What shepherd in his right mind sends the sheep to the place where he knows that the wolves are waiting. But that's exactly what Jesus says. I'm not sending you to a picnic. I'm not sending you to a party. I'm not sending you to a celebration. I'm sending you into harm's way. They will deliver you over to the courts, and they will flog you, 
says there'll actually be physical uh, suffering because of Christ. A couple other ones here. Uh, a little bit further on, verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death. Father is child. Children will raise up against their parents and put them to death. Jesus says there's going to be extreme animosity even within the context of your own family. So be prepared for that. Understand that you're entering into hostile territory. And he says this in verse 22, you will be hated by all for my namesake. I don't think he can make it a whole lot clearer than that. The reason that the territory is hostile, the reason why there's a reaction is not because it's you who's speaking the message. It's because Jesus is the message. And Jesus is offensive to many people. Jesus has that sort of impact on folks. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts this. I'm not going to put this verse on the screen, but it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's verse 15. You can read it again later on. But he says this. He's talking about uh, disciples of Jesus. And he says, We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. He's he's saying we're an aroma, we're a fragrance. And and think about when you walk into a house, when you walk into your home, uh, and you maybe uh, smell something that's cooking, uh, maybe something's baking in the oven, and and certain fragrances uh, make you think of certain things, don't they? You know, I I go to a Christmas tree lot, and I I smell a Christmas tree, and I think of my childhood and and growing up and, and Christmas and what it was like at our home. Uh, and Paul's using that type of metaphorical language. He says, we're the aroma of Christ to everyone around us, to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. And then he goes on to say this, to the one, we are the fragrance from death to death. And to the other, we are a fragrance from life to life. Paul says, to some, we are a sweet melody to those who are, who are putting their faith in Christ, to those who hear the gospel and are saved, they couldn't hear a sweeter sound. You know, they sing amazing grace and, and tears well up in their eyes and they're so filled with joy. Why? Because they understand that they've been found by a Savior and that God's redemption has come to them and they're overjoyed. And to others, they hear the message of the gospel and they hear Christ died on the cross for them and he wants them to put their faith in him and it sounds like fingernails being dragged across a chalkboard. Being a disciple means that we're going to at times be in hostile places. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I willing to go there for Christ? Am I willing to take that step of discipleship knowing that there may be times where it feels like I'm a sheep among wolves, when it feels like even my own family uh, is mocking me and ridiculing me and, and everybody around me hates me, am I still willing to go there for Jesus Christ and be a disciple for him? Uh, perhaps you've read recently in the news about Lieutenant uh, Aaron Watata, who is an Army lieutenant, who has said, you know, I think I'm going to sit this one out. His company was deployed to Iraq, and he said, I'm, I'm not going. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really sign up to, to fight in a war, and I'd rather not go. Now, I'm not here to get into a conversation about what you think about the war in Iraq or what you don't think about the war in Iraq. That isn't my point. <laughs> my point is, is that if you're in the army, you can't kind of pick and choose what you want to do and when you want to do it. That's not how an army works. By definition, an army has superior officers and lower-ranking officers, and there has to be order, and there has to have uh, orders have to be followed. And everybody can't just sit down and say, well, gee, who wants to go fight today? I don't know. Let me think about it. I don't know if I want to go into hostile territory. If you're going to be in the army, you have to understand that risk. And and I don't bring that up to pick on that particular gentleman, but, but to make this point, 
Many of us, I think, want the benefit of a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we really aren't all that interested in any risk that might come to us on his account. We need to understand that they all go together. The joy of my faith walks hand in hand, side by side with the inherent dangers that come to me because of it. Now, I also want to offer a word of caution here because I think uh, the opposite is true as well. There, there are some of us who tend to be a little bit more uh, obnoxious in our personalities, dare I say. Uh, there are some of us that, that tend to be, uh, uh, present Christ uh, in a way that uh, is rude and is arrogant. Uh, there are some of us that maybe uh, have a martyr complex and feel that we're always persecuted for our faith and everybody's out to get us. Uh, and, we, and we kind of walk through our day looking for who's going to be the next person who's going to offend me. Who's going to be the next person who's going to hurt my feelings because of Jesus. Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine who told a story about a man in his church who got fired from his job. And the man went around the church. He was in a local factory. And the man went around the church. He said, I've been persecuted for my faith. I got fired from my job because I'm a Christian. And the church was, you know, kind of in an uproar about it. And they were, you know, holding prayer meetings for this man. And, and, and then they came to find out from a couple other believers who, who worked in that particular factory that the man wasn't fired because he was a Christian. The man was fired because he was lazy and he was a lousy worker. And he spent the time that he should have been giving to his employer in an honest day's work walking around talking about Jesus and not doing what he was supposed to do. Now, friends, I, I think we need to be uh, witnesses for Christ. And I think we need to be bold witnesses for Christ. But I don't think we need to be obnoxious about it. And I don't think we need to be rude for it. And I don't think we need to create hostility where there isn't hostility. So I want to be careful when I say that we're entering hostile territory, that we understand that it is the gospel that offends and not my behavior, not my arrogance, not my rudeness. Thirdly, being a disciple in this text doesn't, uh, not only means that we're a subordinate spokesperson, that we're entering hostile territory, but being a disciple also means that we must combine shrewdness and sympathy. Let's go back to verse 16 for just a minute. Jesus says, I'm sending you out a sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. As wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Let's talk about that word wisdom for just a minute. Uh, the idea here is, is a shrewdness, uh, it's a prudence, it's a, it's a thoughtful thoughtfulness. Now, it's not uh, the idea of being cunning in order to deceive someone. You know, you remember when you were in high school and you were coming home 15 or 20 minutes late and you had to come up with a really good story? I- I'm sure that hasn't happened to any of you wonderful people. Uh, it happened to me from, from time to time. When you have a dad who's a cop, uh, you better have a good story because <laughs> cops can kind of figure out whether or not you're lying. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I had a cunning about me, you know, I just, here's what I'm going to say, and here's how I'm going to word it. And if you ask this question, I'm going to have this response, and then I'm going to have that response. We're not talking about that kind of thoughtfulness. Rather, we're talking about a wisdom that comes from experience in life, that looks at a particular set of circumstances and understands the best answer to give, the most opportune way to represent the gospel. There's a sense of shrewdness, but there's also a shrewdness that's coupled with sympathy. And that, that uh, idea of innocence of, of doves is a question of the motive of our heart. When we uh, use our shrewdness, when we use our wisdom, is it for the goal of being able to share Jesus Christ with another? Is there an, a desire in our heart to see someone else come to Christ? It's that idea that we are, we are not ignorant or naive, as it says in verse 15, you know, be aware of men, 
But the reason that we have this awareness is because we have a desire in our heart to share the gospel with another. A friend of mine told me a story once about a conversation he was having uh, with a friend of his. They were both fairly young guys just out of college, and, and my buddy was a Christian, and this other guy was, just didn't want to have anything to do with Christian faith. Uh, he just was not interested at all. And uh, my friend was always trying to find ways to talk to this fellow about Christ and about a relationship with him. And they began talking about their lives one day. And, and, uh, and the fellow said, you know, I, his friend said, I'm really looking forward to my career's off to a good start. I'm starting to make some good money and, and things are looking up for me. Uh, and a light kind of clicked in my buddy's head. And he said, well, well, what's the next step after that? And he said, well, you know, I think my career path is going to take, take this turn and that turn. And I'm going to be able to make this kind of money and make these kind of connections. And, and things are going to move in a good direction. He said, well, then what after that? He says, well, when I really have my feet on the ground, I, you know, I want to be able to propose to my girlfriend. I really love her and I want to spend my life with her. I want to have kids and, and raise me. He said, well, that sounds great. And then what comes after that? And he said, well, you know, at some point I'm going I'm to retire and I'm going to have enough money to maybe, you know, have a sailboat and do some things that, I, that I've always wanted to do and the kids will grow up, and they'll be doing great and be out of the house. And my friend kept saying, well, then, then what? Then what? Finally, where the point, he said, well, then what? And the only answer was, well, well, then I die. To which my friend responded, well, then what? And it was at that moment that the light came on in the man's eyes, and he realized he was missing something very important in his life. There was a shrewdness there. There was a thoughtfulness there. But it was based out of concern and I have compassion. I want to give you one example of this out of Scripture, and I don't want to take too long with it, but this is, is so good that I just, I didn't want to miss this one. I want to go to the book of Acts, and I want to talk about Paul, and I want to look at these three words, uh, being wise, uh, be, uh, be innocent, and also be aware of what's going on around you. Paul is, is on trial for his life. He's got a, he's got a bunch of religious leaders who, who want to take him out and stone him to death. Uh, and he realizes it in the midst of this conversation that he's in big trouble. He's in Jerusalem, uh, and he, his enemies have him right where they want him. And, and he's maybe in the last hour of his life. But this says this in uh, Acts 23. Now, when Paul perceived that one part of this group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, he yelled out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee and a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. When he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. (laughs) Paul was pretty wise in that moment. He realized that he was in hot water. But he also realized that at least one group uh, aligned with him on the resurrection, and the other group didn't. And so he very shrewdly (laughs) changed the course of the conversation to a point where they started arguing with one another, and he was actually rescued Uh, by a group of Roman soldiers who came in and carried him out of the room. Let me show you a a picture of Paul and this idea of innocence. In uh, chapter 26 of Acts, Paul is talking to a king and to a governor. He's in a palace, uh, and they're asking him why he's a Christian, and 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 he shares the story of his faith. And then he says to King Agrippa, King Agrippa, I know that you believe these things. I know that you get this. And Agrippa says to Paul, in such a short time, would you persuade me? to be a Christian? And Paul says, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these change. Do you see what Paul is driving at there? He's saying, I'm not telling you this story to defend myself. I'm not telling you this story so you guys will let me off the hook. I'm telling you about Jesus Christ because it's my desire that you too would put your faith in him. Wisdom, and innocence, but also uh, a somberness 
and an awareness. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is speaking to some friends, and he says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city imprisonment and afflictions await me. I think Paul is a a great example of a believer who combines the shrewdness and the sympathy and the somberness of mind. And that's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. Fourthly, being a disciple of Jesus in this text means that God will provide equipping for his children. Look at verses 19 and 20. When they deliver you over, notice it doesn't say if they deliver you over. It says when they deliver you over. Do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Jesus is saying in this text, if you're my disciple, I'm not sending you alone. You're not out there by yourself. The Spirit of God is with you and will equip you at that particular moment. Now, let me go down a side road for just a second. I know what some of you might be thinking because I might tend to think this way myself. Well, this tells me I don't have to study the Bible. (laughs) This tells me I don't need to really look that tough into the Word of God because if I ever get in that situation, if I ever get in that circumstance, it says right there that the Spirit of God is going to speak through me so I can go home and turn on 24 and not worry about it. By the way, I'm not really happy with 24 this year, but that's a story for another day. should be titled, How the Bauer Family Destroyed the United States. But anyway... What was I talking about? (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is not an excuse for biblical laziness. You can't look at this text and go, well, I never need to read my Bible again. That isn't the point that Jesus is making. This is not speaking to our need to understand Scripture. There are many, many places where Jesus says that, that, that we need to be students of God's Word. What he's saying here is that your Father is going to prepare you. After all, that's what good parents do, don't they? They prepare their children to be able to stand up and to be able to, to take care of themselves, to be able to walk on their own two feet. Jesus says in that moment, your father is going to be there working in your life. His spirit will speak through you so you don't have to be anxious because God will equip you. Uh, I talked to a, a young friend of mine last night who uh, relayed to me a story which she had told me before, and I had actually forgotten about it until somebody mentioned it earlier this week. And she had served as a, as a missionary uh, in a country in Africa. And uh, she worked with school children. And she was coming home one day late after school. It was, it was uh, just about dark. Uh, and she was confronted at knife point by a man uh, who was grabbed a hold of her and held a knife to her throat and was dragging her off the road and into a remote area. Uh, and she talked about that experience. She said, it truly was one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me because I, I knew what that man was after. And, uh, and she said, it, it, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it was like God just opened my heart to this person and I, and I stopped dead and he was kind of pulling me away and I stopped and I looked at him and I said, what do you want? She said, he kind of stopped and he looked at me, didn't move the knife away. But he said, I want your money and I want, I want you know what I want. I want whatever, what every man wants. And she said, well, I don't know about that, but I can tell you right now what every man needs. She said at that moment, he dropped his knife and he relaxed his grip and he stepped back and he said, what are you, what are you talking about? And she proceeded to share with him the love of Christ. And he began to weep. He said, I don't, I don't have anything like that in my life. And she prayed for him and he let her go. 
Three hours later, he showed up at, at the compound where she lived, asking to speak with her so that he could ask her forgiveness for treating her the way he did. At that moment, you don't need to be anxious, friends, because your Father and His Spirit will speak through you. Jesus isn't saying you're going to be able to avoid conflict. He says you're going to be dragged before the court. You're going to be abused at times for your faith, but that's okay. I understand what that's like. I know what that's like, Jesus says. But know this, you're not by yourself. If you're my disciple, you have God's presence is equipping in your life. And, and fifthly and finally, being a disciple, and this is, I think, the best part of this whole deal, means getting home. Look at verse 22 with me for just a moment. It's down at the very bottom of the screen. I don't know if you can see it very well. It says this, and, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's the promise. There's the promise of the hope that we have in Christ. It's not just for this life, but it's for all of eternity. And Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, understand this, the end of the story is already written. And I'll be the one who gets you home. I'll be the one who brings you safely into your Father's presence. So go boldly into the world. Yes, there might be hostility. There are going to be times when you feel like you are a sheep among wolves. And this may not be the greatest recruiting tool in the world. It doesn't sound all that exciting. It doesn't sound all that opportunistic. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, you need this message. You need this truth in your lives. We need it to give us an eternal perspective. We need it because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for a dying world And even though there may be times where it literally sounds to some like fingers going across the chalkboard, Jesus says, don't be afraid to step forward in boldness, in humility, in a gentleness, with wisdom, but with sympathy. I'm sending you as my disciples, sometimes to dangerous places, but use wisdom and love and have confidence in your Father. Speak the truth of the gospel until the day He brings you home. Let's pray together.